Thank you for tuning in to School Mental Health, Beacons of Hope, where we gather diverse perspectives on creating inclusive school communities to support students. This podcast is brought to you by Erica's Lighthouse and hosted by me, Brandon Combs, Executive Director. Today's topic is Empowered Teens Changing the World. Our first guests today are Emma and Adele, co-CEOs and among four co-founders of The Dealing Deck. They are constantly challenging their own perception of mental health through connecting with local schools, organizations, professionals, and their own peers. And they unite their community to initiate change through The Dealing Deck and their involvement in Mental Health America North Shore Youth Advisory Board. Emma hopes to study business management next year at college, and Adele hopes to pursue advertising and film photography. Adele, Emma, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate so, it. Yeah, you two are, are two of, well, you're half, I should say, of the founding members <laughs> of The Dealing Deck. Um, which is why I wanted to chat with you today. It's an exciting opportunity to chat with teens who are directly Im impacting school mental health really from a peer-led perspective. Um, that's a huge part of what Erica's Lighthouse is all about. I know that you started your initiatives not necessarily um, from us or working with us, so it's great to see that there is some additional kind of interaction, engagement, and empowerment taking place even outside of what you might consider kind of the more formal channel. So. With that, I would love to open it up to you two. And Emma, if you'll start, I'd love to just learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, sure. So I'm 17. I'm a senior at Highland Park High School. Um, I play lacrosse. I'm on the school business team, DECA. I was a captain of our dance team at the high school. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Great. Yeah. Adele? Yeah, um, pretty similar to Emma. I'm 16 years old. I'm a junior at Highland Park High School and um, I play lacrosse as well. Um, I'm really interested in photography and design and videography and all that fun stuff. That's kind of how I express my creativity and as well as business management. And um, I also have a really big family, so I'm quite the talker. Very nice, very nice. Well, I'm the baby in my family, so I've learned to <laughs> talk loudly and over people to get the attention that I crave, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So with that, I would love to kind of hear a little bit, a little icebreaker question that we asked. So we're all about good mental health and a big part of that is nutrition and healthy eating. So Emma, I'd love to learn what is your favorite fruit? Honestly, I got to go with mango. It's just like the perfect amount of sweetness. Love it. <laughs> and Adele? Recently, it's been pomegranate because pomegranate is in season. That's definitely my favorite fruit. Very nice, very nice. Both are delicious. Sorry, I live right next to a firehouse, so you might be able to hear the sirens <laughs> going by, but um, big fan of mango, particularly if it's in a sushi roll. I'm not going to lie about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I would love to kind of hear a little bit from your perspective on what is the dealing deck? Yeah, so physically, the dealing deck is a deck of 36 cards. Um, we have 34 coping mechanisms. They're all unique and therapist approved. Um, we also have one information card within each dealing deck, which just has um, a few resources, a few helplines, a few support groups that people can contact if they're going through a severe episode. And the deck is $12.99 per deck. And um, people have been able to purchase it through our Instagram. We also have a website up and running. We have a Facebook. And it's also been just mouth to mouth. Like people, we, we talk to people, our peers, our families, just all around our community. 
That's great. And there's there's four of you that are in this project together, together correct? Yes. 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 So so what was the impetus for kind of coming up with this concept? Well, yeah, so we were all taking an entrepreneurship class that our high school offered. And the course um, actually allows you to develop a real business. But I mean, truthfully, a lot of our peers who were taking that class, including us at the beginning, weren't really expecting to actually like create a business and follow through with the plan. Um, so we did have an initial idea concept um, that we carried out through half the year and we weren't passionate about it at all. And it was getting very, um, you know, it was a burden to continue all this development and all this work on this concept. So we all kind of agreed that we wanted to develop something that we were all passionate about and that could really make a difference and could make a change. So my sister, who's 18 years old and she's in college, is one of the various people that are close to me that I've seen battle mental illness, but something that's really unique about um, her experience and something that I really admire is that she's always been extremely outspoken about her experience. And she's a huge advocate for mental health. And I had always been so inspired by um, her bravery to speak up and spark that really difficult conversation. So I went right to her and asked her if she had ideas. And she suggested that we make a deck of cards with different coping mechanisms. And at first it kind of seemed too simple. It seemed, you know, that has to exist. It's just a deck of cards with coping mechanisms. There's, but as it, you know, sat there with us, like I kind of brought it to the team um, and it kind of sat there with us and it, we all became more and more invested in it. And as we started researching, we realized there's nothing like this that exists, which is so funny because it seems so power, so simple, but you know, we found it to be so powerful, such a powerful idea because no one has ever thought to do something like that. Yeah, it's always the the things that seem so obvious that, that are such <laughs> brilliant ideas. And I think particularly even the opportunity with the name, I mean, the dealing deck is just a phenomenal name that just says exactly what it is, so. Thank you. So in regards to that, kind of how did, how have you, you know, you've, you took this through from kind of the starting out at a class project to hearing this, being passionate about it and moving forward. I mean, what were some of the steps along the way? I mean, we'd love to learn a little bit more about, you know, were, were you talking with therapists outside in the community about some of the coping mechanisms? How did you do the research for this? Kind of, I'm just curious. Yeah, so we came into contact with a therapist named Lindsay DeBonzo. She is a therapist in our area and, um, we brought her our decks. We actually went on a call with her and just went through each of the decks individually, made sure there was no insensitive language that we used to maybe spark something in um, some people using our decks. And we actually went through a few times where we had our decks all made out and then we went, we brought them to her and she was like, you should change this, you should change that. And we went through a lot of points where we received a lot of feedback from her and it was really helpful and it really helped us craft what we now have as our main dealing deck. That's great. And this is, of course, this podcast is really specifically focused on this concept of school mental health and these diverse perspectives on how we can be creating more inclusive school communities. So in particular to the dealing deck, how has this been received within your school community? And have you seen it starting to kind of change the culture within that environment? 
Well, yeah, um, like you said, different perspectives are super important. So um, apart from that professional therapist, we did seek our peers um, input. We seek, we went and sought out organizations input. And just within our school and even our community, we saw quite a significant change in the perception of mental health to spread awareness like that to our peers, first to our classmates. And we knew that this was a good idea. The second that our classmates were so extremely supportive and inspired by our ideas. And we knew that this could go far because it's so much more meaningful and it me it's so much more powerful for it to be coming from us as teens and speaking to our peers as teens. And so, you know, we kind of slowly started spreading our ideas, spreading our message, selling our cards in our school. And we had gotten feedback from people we didn't know that were Instagram DMing us or emailing us with, you know, different things we could tweak and add that maybe an adult perspective wouldn't be able to catch or wouldn't be able to notice. So that was something really important too. And Emma, if you want to touch on some of the, you know, involvements we've had outside of Highland Park, actually. Yeah, so we've actually been working directly with a program called Fusion. Um, we're working on present, it's a school, we're working on presenting to the kids there. And we actually came into contact with the head of the school and we sold decks directly to her, which was really awesome. It was really cool to see our involvement um, be noticed by someone as great as the head of the school of Fusion. And it's just great to see like all of the different identities in our community just coming together. And we get so many different perspectives of the people who use our decks. We have so many different age groups. We have parents buying it for their children, grandparents buying it for their children and kids buying it for themselves. It's just really great to receive such great feedback. We also appreciate the criticism from people. We'd love to hear any type of feedback from any of our customers. No, that's great. I, I just can imagine you sitting in class someday and a student you know, in the front row in front of you pulls out the deck and starts reading it and how good that has to feel inside and okay, like it's making a difference for somebody. Yeah, exactly. That's great. So uh, from the standpoint of kind of thinking about this in school environments as, as well, have, have there been other ideas or that you've heard from other people about ways to use this from a more school perspective within working with the student population to be creating these more inclusive classrooms, to be supporting these students and in their classroom setting better, and particularly now in this very bizarre school year that we are currently trying to get through. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, there, I mean, there are a couple of different approaches that uh, we have considered. There um, is the approach of making some new decks. We've had um, ideas of a quarantine deck, of a group deck, of, you know, an adult deck, a table talk deck. There are tons of different ways that we could go with that. And in retrospect of really getting it out there to the schools, definitely a huge goal of ours would be to actually get it implemented in a school where there'd be a program where, you know, every freshman gets a deck. That would be something that would be really meaningful to us. And it feels almost in reach because through a lot of the organizations we connect with, local organizations who are so amazing and so willing to help us and give us feedback, just like Erica's Lighthouse, which is so awesome. Um, a lot of those, you know, people who are working in those organizations are, you know, school counselors or have worked, at least worked with um, a lot of our peers, our age and know that realm really well. 
And, you know, we've been able to get involved in that school aspect of things through, you know, different advisory boards and through those organizations and counselors. So that would be something really awesome to, you know, con- get a he- concrete implementation of our cards and have that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, offhand, I could even see there being exciting opportunity to partner between our own teen empowerment clubs that are really kind of doing a lot of this cultural change activity within a school environment and some and a group like yours um, that can, you know, is putting a deck directly into the hands of students or people that might be struggling. Um, and particularly thinking about so many of our professional advisory board members, our social workers from around the country, um, there's definitely, you know, some interest um, in and just as I've talked about this as well um, with some of our social workers too. So I definitely could see there being some some real practical usage for this, even from kind of the school-based approach, not just from the student-based approach, which I think is fun. So outside of that, I mean, what does the future of Dealing Deck look like for you all? Or is this something that you wanna continue on once you graduate from high school as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know for me, I'm going to college next year, but and that might make it a little bit more difficult to communicate with the team, but I'm really going to try my best to stay in touch. Obviously, me and Adele will for sure keep coming up with ideas, like keep implementing new things. And yeah, and I hope that with my new platform of making new friends wherever I go to school that I can somehow introduce the dealing deck to them and people around them and it'll be a whole new area for us to discover, which will be cool. Yeah, absolutely. And Adele, yeah. you're going to keep pushing forward in the, at high school next year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, adding on to what Emma said, it's, it's important to consider that part of our customer segment is also including those college kids. It's, you know, it's not just our peers. It, it extends all the way to college graduates because we see those same issues in college students and in their college experience. So getting that perspective, especially with Emma, being able to experience that firsthand and bring that back to our team is super awesome. And yes, I'm definitely planning on, you know, keep pushing forward, especially in this time, such an unpredictable time. I think that it's really important to um, be there for my community and really continue to spark that conversation and make that change. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you both so much. Is there anything else that you would like to add or say in before we close off? Just thank you so much for having the, uh, having us here. This was awesome. It was really no, great to talk to you. I definitely, We will definitely uh, stay in touch and kind of talk about some partnership opportunities as we move forward too. But best of luck to both of you. You're definitely part of our North Shore community. Um, even if um, Highland Park is not yet an Erica's Lighthouse School, we'll continue working on that, seeing what, what we can do from the school's perspective as well. But thank you both so much for joining me tonight and I appreciate the opportunity. Our next guest is Erica's Lighthouse very own Alana Sherman, Director of Education. Alana has her master's in public health and supports school communities around the world through classroom programs and teen empowerment clubs. Alana, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate the opportunity to chat a little bit, particularly about Erica's Lighthouse specifics, uh, teen empowerment um, activities and the work that we're doing within the space. But I have to tell you, I just got done talking to the teens from Highland Park that developed uh, the dealing deck. Wow, what a great group. Yeah, that's awesome. I uh, 
when you showed that to us, I just thought it was really awesome and empowering to see um, like a group of teenagers taking this on and taking a leadership role in this. Yeah, um, I think uh, it's an awesome project. And to just, you know, put out some transparency here, you actually live in Highland Park right now. So they are some teens from your home community, which is, I think, particularly exciting to see exactly. what's going on in your in your area. Yeah, so I'm excited to possibly have the opportunity to work with them. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely trying to push in that direction. So we'll see what kind of yeah. partnerships we can develop. But within the space, you also are overseeing our own teen empowerment initiatives within Erica's Lighthouse. Um, I know we have done a tremendous amount of work over the past mm -hmm. 18 months since you've been with us, really um, elevating that area and really refocusing our attention into that space. So I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit from you on what role do teens have in school culture change around mental health? Um, you know, I thank you for having me, by the way. Um, they play, you know, a huge role. They um, are the eyes and ears of the school. They are the ones going in and out every day with their friends, with their families. They have the pulse on what's going on in the world. And they really play a huge role in, um, you know, mental health and what we need to do in the schools. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of adults sort of dismiss youth as um, bad decision makers or they don't know what they're doing or they haven't had enough experience um, to make change. But I think it's really the opposite. I think they're the ones we need to look to. And um, I think one of the great things about teens is that they are willing to um, take risks. Sometimes that's a good thing or a bad thing, but in a positive light, they're willing to take risks and they're sort of open to all possibilities, even like crazy wild ones, because they haven't had the life experience, say that I have, and I've had the experience of seeing consequences to some of my mistakes, but they haven't had all that. And that feeling of inv feeling invincible can be a benefit. So they're willing to try things and take on new leadership roles and take on projects and activities to really make a difference. And I think that's where a lot of adults may not be willing to go there or they're thinking, eh, I've tried that before. It doesn't work. Or no, the kids don't really know what they're doing. We're the decision makers. So um, I think teens really are the ones we need to look to. They're just yeah, not always yeah, I think our young people have such um, a positivity when they're approaching new opportunities or new areas. And I think in particular, this focus on mental health is one um, that they're hungry to have, um, that they're mm -hmm. interested in being engaged with, that so many of them either personally or through contacts with other people have been impacted by. And so I mm -hmm. think this opportunity to engage in these conversations and create these communities of support, this kind of inclusive culture within their school building is really amazing. And I think the teens that we have seen doing the work are fantastic. Um, and I, you know, and I'm always heartened when I hear that a school has already had a club, but isn't necessarily familiar with what we're doing. Um, so the ones that are just partnering with us either as affiliate clubs or kind of becoming the teen empowerment clubs that this work has already started and the base was already in place before we've even come along is exciting. Yeah. Right. And we, I think one of the um, 
an example of that, one of the more exciting things we recently saw was we had, um, as you know, one of our um, newer teen clubs um, at a high school in Texas. This teen club, any of our teen clubs can start by students or by admin, uh, administrators or staff or educators, um, but this particular teen club was started by a student who was just passionate about mental health and she felt like she had um, you know, experienced some mental health issues in her life and wanted a safe space for her and her friends and her peers to be able to feel included and safe talking about it, to break down that stigma. And she went ahead and started this club. You know, she got support, of course, from um, staff in her school and educators in her school, but she went ahead and started this. And she wrote, she ended up writing a blog post for us too, which, um, so not only is she taking this leadership role to start a club to change that culture in her school, and probably beyond in her community, but she then took the leadership role of, of writing a blog post for us. And um, I'm just looking down here because I want to make sure I get her quote right. Um, she said, through this club, my classmates and I have found a safe space to express ourselves and help break down the stigma surrounding mental health. And I just like, that's what we're doing. You know, like that's, it just put a smile on my face and I know on everyone else's face because that's our goal. Like we want kids to feel safe and how cool that she started this, that she did it on her own. Yeah, and she's getting more people involved and it's something hopefully that will lift beyond her outside of her time in from high school oh, yeah. um, and keep going, which I think is, is particularly impressive for that community. Yeah. I think one of the things that I also love about the work we do at Erica's Lighthouse, and it was in place certainly before either you or I were there, but we've really had the opportunity to double down on this concept is not only talking about culture change in a theoretical standpoint and saying what you can do, but providing really practical tools and opportunities for people to be engaged in that. And I think that mm -hmm. for me is taking us a step further than, than some other places where we're talking about things that could be done. So, but particularly within our teen clubs, we've had a number of them. They are peer led opportunities that have been created by so many of our teen clubs and you have worked on kind of modifying some of them, but can you share some of the examples of activities teens within our clubs or affiliate clubs can actually participate and engage in? Yeah. Um, so our teen clubs, like you said, have been going on well before you and I started at um, Erica's Lighthouse, and they are a great way for students to be involved and take those leadership roles and, um, you know, and, and encourage and advocate for good mental health practices and education in their school, et cetera. And with that, we have our what we call awareness into action activities. Um, and these are activities, you can call them campaigns, school-wide events, activities um, that the students in the club can initiate and start, but really, you know, it's there to, um, again, create that cultural change, but get others involved. So um, I wanted to share a couple of them that I think are really, really great. Um, these can be done in classroom, in person. We know right now we're seeing a lot of remote environments with our teaching. Um, so these can be done in virtual remote environments as well online. One of our favorite ones that we always talk about is the um, follow the footprints activity. And this is really a great activity that highlights the importance of help seeking, which is of course one of our main goals when it comes to depression education and making sure these kids know the skills 
beyond our time with them. But basically students print out, students in the club print out footprints that have information and facts about depression education on them and place them around the school and they are leading to either the school counselor's office, the school social worker's office, school psychologist, student services. Um, but it's basically showing their peers where they can get help in the school. Um, oftentimes it's amazing, but you will, if you were to ask students, many students in a high school or a middle school don't know where they could get help. Um, so we want to make sure, and that's not the only place they can get help. There's many other trusted adults as well, but this is reminding them that help exists and showing them where. And it can be fun. It can be cute. Um, if you do it around, say, like St. Patrick's Day, you could have a pot of gold. When you get there, you're following the footprints, and um, but you can do it that way. Um, we also have our Beacon of Hope signs, another um, way to identify trusted adults in the school. So we encourage the club to work with the school staff and promote being a trusted adult. And that doesn't mean you're a clinician or a therapist. It means you're a trusted adult. It means you're someone that a student can come to and say, hey, I need to talk or, hey, I think something's going on. And, and you can talk, but you can also bring them to the professional. So Beacon of Hopes are basically lighthouses, like um, our Beacon of Hope for Adolescent Depression are, are sort of our one of our taglines. And these are signs that can be printed and put in the school window, in the classroom window or door. And it just shows students, I'm a beacon of hope. We've even seen it in email taglines. Um, that was something really cool from a teacher. They put it on their email signature. Um, and it can be done in virtual classrooms as well. And the last one I just want to highlight is um, one that I think is really important in advocacy, um, awareness into action activity. We know advocacy is one of um, the eight national health education standards. It's also um, a soft skill that is needed well beyond today, you know, communication skills, empathy, all of those things, especially like SEL is highlighting. Um, advocacy is something we want students to be able to self-advocate. And so some of our clubs, you know, like you mentioned, they may not be also, the school may not also be including the Erica's Lighthouse classroom programs, for example, or they may want to include um, family education or something like that. So we can have the club work together um, to advocate for depression education. And that's a skill that they can then learn and take on. They'll take that on really the rest of their life. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that you have done that I think is really exciting and fun. And I think great for school communities to keep in mind when we're talking about school mental health is that so many of these awareness into action activities are now integrated between different cross populations where students can talk to the school administrators or students can talk to parents to educate parents or classroom educators can use those awareness and action activities um, as a as a way to kind of make their educational programming within their classroom even more robust or double down right. on the messaging. And so I think these these idea where these can be such so flexible or adaptable between the different populations is I think a really key piece as we start talking about kind of this broader cultural change within school communities, because cultural change really is communication. It's the ability mm -hmm. to listening to one another um, and recognizing what is needed within a building to be sure that people are feeling supportive, included, 
um, and, and part of that larger and broader school community that we're talking about. Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you highlighted that these are flexible, these are adaptable. This is not a one size fits all. Um, schools try their own things and then they let us know it worked and we say, great, can we share it with others? Um, but you know, every school is different, every um, audience is different, every community is different. So we really want our teens and our clubs to say, hey, this works, but really find their own voice in that you know, in that activity and say, you know what, let's tweak this a little, this will work better for us. We also try to encourage them to get out into the community and, you know, really involve the community. Schools aren't, they can't be everything <laughs> to everyone. Um, so the community um, support would be great. And even um, we've got events, our fun run, our dance relay, shine a light. Um, workshops are a really good way for clubs to also, you know, try to involve the community and fun, you know, if they want to try out fundraising, what a great way to learn some other new skills. Yeah. Well, one of the things um, we're really big on in Erica's Lighthouse um, also is this concept of kind of school policy in as a, as a, as a mechanism for cultural change. And I think when we're talking about teen empowerment, it is so easy um, as adults, um, as educational professionals, um, to just make decisions and move forward <laughs> and be like, we're doing this. This is what we, you know, this is what we know or what we think we need. So why is it important for us as adults to take a step back and learn how to listen to teens and engage them in school policy perspectives and conversations? Well, I mean, we're, we're educating the students. We're serving them. They're the ones that this is all for, right? So it sort of makes common sense to, to ask them, how's this going? What do you think? Um, what are your feelings? What are your concerns? And then, and then not just ask them, but, but listen to them as well. Um, I think a lot of teens don't feel listened to. And I think when they are asked, um, it's sometimes surprising to them. Hey, you want to know my opinion? You know, you want to know what's concerning me, what's going on with me and my friends? Um, I think that's really important. Students are a, a really important stakeholder. It's not just the educators and the parents. Um, the students are the ones that have their, you know, nose to the ground and know what's going on. Um, so I really feel like they're as much of a stakeholder as anyone else. Um, there was a recent article, a recent survey done and an article in Forbes um, that came out that stated some really unfortunate statistics that 68% of students do not, do not feel that their school is prepared to handle um, safety concerns such as suicide, et cetera. And that's a really startling statistic that you know, a majority of students don't feel like their school is prepared. And that's sort of where we come in. You know, if that's the case, and we had every school have a teen empowerment club, or every school be able to make policy changes when it came to mental health education, um, et cetera, like, how great could that be? That number, that, that statistic would obviously go way down and we'd be breaking that stigma. Um, but there's, you know, a lot of work to be done. And yeah, there's I, a lot from the adults. That yeah, I, I think one of the things that I, I, you know, when we talk about this with school communities or with educators is this piece, you know, we're not telling school communities they have to do all of this. 
Um, yeah. But they have to start a conversation. <laughs> and I think, you know, Teen Empowerment Clubs is a great way for a school to start really meaningful conversations without putting more work on the personnel in that school building. Um, yeah, exactly. Allowing teens to take that role on themselves. I mean, you know, 68% of teens feeling that their school is not prepared to manage anxiety, depression, self-harm, suicide, like that's a shocking, shocking number. That yeah. kids are going to school feeling like their social and emotional health is not being protected is frightening. And how do we, with numbers like that, we are not doing the work we need to do to be sure that we have successful academic communities within within our school buildings. So. Right. And I think it's up to us to listen to their voice, you know, listen to the youth voice, because I think when we do, we sort of, it opens our eyes like, oh, wow, there's, they've got some great ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, the other statistic I, I um, we know, of course, is, you know, 70% of teens contemplating suicide talk to a peer about it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, they need to be educated. They can support one another. They can kind of really go back to who they need to talk to to be sure that there is support in place um, when these issues come up. So we definitely have our work cut out for us, Alana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, in this situation, it's not always uh, positive conversations, but we do know with the school communities, educators are stepping up to the plate. We know teens are interested in having these conversations and are willing to take on a leadership role if schools are willing to do them. Um, and we know we have work to do with parents as well that want to be informed and want to know what's happening within those schools. So I think the only thing I would end this at before I give you any last words, Alana, is you know we're here to help school communities. Um, we have resources for all of those populations, including educators from a professional development standpoint. So I really hope people um, tune in um, and choose yeah. to utilize the resources that, that can be available to them to really make their school a more inclusive, supportive um, environment. Yeah, and we, um, we are here to work with them. And, um, you know, as much as there's a lot of work to be done, there's a lot of great work being done also. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today, Alana. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, and we will get back into the office soon, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, right? Okay. <laughs> Have a great one. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. For more information about Erica's Lighthouse, please visit ericaslighthouse.org. If you have any ideas, suggestions for future topics, or are looking for more information about our programs, please contact me at brandon at ericaslighthouse.org. Have a great day.